Good morning. Okay, I've got a bit of a cold today, so sorry if I sound a little funny, but I just could not wait any longer to do this. Um, today we are doing uh, talking about something that might be a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, we're talking about Christmas. So we just finished celebrating Hanukkah as a family. Um, this is our first year that we celebrated it. I will put in a disclaimer that Hanukkah is not a God-ordained feast day. So yes, whether you're aware of this or not, God has actually given us feast days through the year to celebrate. I was not aware of this, even though I grew up in a Christian home and I went to church my whole life. I did not know this, but in through Moses, God directly told him about the different feast days that he wanted his people to celebrate. And he says for each one that it is a statute forever through your generations in all your dwellings. So for each feast day, there's seven of them. Uh, God ordained them and he says that they're forever. And as far as I know, forever isn't done. I don't think forever's happened yet. So this might be something worth exploring. Um, so as part of Hanukkah, it's actually called the Feast of Dedication. And it is something that Jesus, while he was on this earth, actually celebrated. So that's good enough for me to at least look into it. And so for each day of Hanukkah, which is eight days, we explored one of these feasts, these God-ordained feasts, so that we could, as a family, learn about them just a little bit more. Um, if you want to explore them, they're in Leviticus 23. There, There's also some talk about them in Deuteronomy, but they're kind of introduced in Leviticus 23 as God is giving these commands to Moses. Um, so he talks about the Sabbath, and then there's the Passover, which, which is probably the only one that I actually knew about. We started celebrating Passover about 10 years ago as a family, um, and that's kind of taken over a lot of the Easter traditions for us. And it's been amazing and so rich to to do together um so there's passover and then right on the the tales of passover is a feast of unleavened bread which is a week long the feast of first fruits which a lot of these revolve around harvests so this would be the first fruits in springtime these are the spring feasts and the Feast of Weeks, which is also what we know as Pentecost. I actually was unaware that there was a feast happening. Um, I thought that Pentecost just kind of happened when the Holy Spirit came. I didn't know that it landed on an actual feast day, but surely enough, God is amazing. And the Holy Spirit came on one of his feast, feast days, which is Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. Then we have the Feast of Trumpets, so these are the fall ones now, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Booths are also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. So there's seven of them, they're amazing. Um, the Feast of Tabernacles is also a week-long one, and they're so amazing to look into. And like I said, God ordained these specifically, and he said that they are something that should be done forever through our generations. 
And because we know that we are grafted in Israel, this is something that we should know about. And um, it's really exciting. We have seven seven days that we get to celebrate. Um, and it's just so rich and so lovely and super interesting that um, as a whole, the church doesn't really know about these days. They might have learned about them, but learned that they've been done away with. But truly, if we're supposed to be walking like Christ, we know that Christ, as well as all of his disciples and all of the early church, the way um, they all practice these feast days, these were only done away with or abolished a couple hundred years after Christ went up to heaven. So, with that said... Um, oh, I did want to touch on something super fascinating that I didn't even realize. And this kind of unpacks a little bit of our cultural holidays that we celebrate. Um, specifically, it would be Christmas and Easter that the church has really clung on to. But they are very cultural and they're both rooted in um, extremely pagan holidays. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. Um, this is my warning that <laughs> I, I knew, I knew that they had pagan roots, but like a lot of people, I also was like, well, God knows my heart. He knows that I'm celebrating him through this. It doesn't mean that to me. It doesn't mean these pagan things to me. So what's the big deal? I am celebrating him and I'm worshiping him and that should be all that matters. And unfortunately, um, I've come to realize that there is there was arrogance in my heart through thinking those things. And I'd like to hopefully gently, but we'll see, unpack what what that means and why that might not be an okay way to think about our cultural Christian holidays. So I've touched on that. Um, The Catholic Church kind of embraced these holidays. They were pagan. They had pagan roots. And when the Catholic Church came in and wanted everybody to convert, they kind of incorporated these pagan holidays, Christmas and Easter, which um, put you know, Christ over it. (laughs) They slapped Christianity on top, so they incorporated Christ into these holidays to make them Christian instead of pagan. And I dare say there is some danger in doing that. Unfortunately for us, who now are sitting here in this current cultural climate uh, where Easter and Christmas are a big part of our culture and they are hard to separate from. Um, Yeah, so Christmas is actually, it has to do with the winter solstice. Um, There are some great things that I can even link below uh, as that you can kind of learn some of the roots from, but it kind of centers all around the winter solstice, which is like the shortest days of the year, 
and then um, the birth or the rebirth of the sun. So after the longest day or the shortest day of the year, then it's thought that the sun rebirths. And so they would celebrate that change of time. Um, I don't think I'm explaining this properly, but the winter solstice, the birth of the sun, uh, birth of the sun god, that is the root of December 24th and 25th. Uh, December 25th was dubbed, I think it was just before Christ came, as the birth of the sun god. So that is the root of that holiday, and when Catholicism kind of took over Rome, they didn't want to do away with all of the holidays that everybody revolved around, and so instead they incorporated it, and they made that, instead of the sun god's birthday, they said it was Jesus's birthday. So herein lies some of the conundrums of what are we to do with that? Um, do we continue on with what we're doing? Or do we stop celebrating? What does that mean? Where do we go from here? And I think that this is going to be a very personal thing. I cannot tell you what to do. I know that I've been extremely convicted in a lot of the... The symbolism behind it, so Christmas trees, um, putting presents around the Christmas trees, Santa Claus, um, mistletoe, the berries, like these Christmassy things all have deeper seeded roots that are roots uh, in idolatry and um, pagan fertility and they're, yeah. It's a lot to unpack. And once you go down that road, you can't really unsee it. So it's a little tricky. Um, Another good source might be the Journey Out of Egypt book that I talked about. And he goes into each holiday and the roots of what it's behind. So if you want to learn more about it, there is definitely ways of learning. Um, where I'm going to just kind of skim the surface and talk about a little bit of it and hopefully you can, if you are so convicted, look a little bit further because I do think that this is a big deal and you might still be saying, well, God God knows my heart. This is not a big deal. We can reclaim this. And a good comparison that I heard or read, I'm not sure, um would be what happens if you you know you're in a relationship with somebody and maybe you're married and you break up and get divorced um and then you find somebody else and you spend a couple years with that person and it doesn't work out and then you end up going back to your first marriage okay uh sorry, a little bit all over the place here, but dating, marriage, whatever, you end up going back to the first person again. And then a certain time of year comes around, let's say May 25th, and you make your husband a cake. (laughs) 
and you you make his favorite food and all these wonderful things and your husband says it's not my birthday what what are you doing and you say well it was my ex-boyfriend's birthday and I really like this day it became a really good special tradition for me I really like the food like I like making the foods that were his favorite foods so I'm just gonna do that for you and we're just gonna celebrate your birthday on this day instead even though it's not actually his birthday um <laughs> do you think your husband would be happy with that or do you think he'd be a little offended I think he'd be a little offended. I mean, I know that I would be. You can't just pick my birthday or you can't just pick the traditions that I like just because you like them. That's not how things work. And so I dare to say something similar to that has happened with uh, celebrating the birth of Yeshua, Jesus. We do know that he was most likely born in September or October in fall um and perhaps there's a reason why we don't actually know his set birthday did you know that if you read the matthew mark luke john there is very little to be said about the actual birth of christ luke is the biggest example but two of the books don't even talk about the birth of christ they just kind of jump right into um his ministry there's a little tidbit, a little tiny paragraph of Matthew, and then the best is in Luke. So it's interesting to me that very little is said on the actual birth of Christ, just enough for us to know that the prophecies about him are true. And in fact, you'll find through the whole Bible, there is no mention of birthdays. Birthdays were not a biblical thing. So it is interesting to me that the biggest celebration of the year for the world is Jesus's birthday. Now, knowing that the world hates Jesus, because that's what the Bible says, (laughs) um, and it seems to be what has shown the world does not like it, does not like him, does not like us celebrating him. Um, So knowing that the world hates Jesus, does it not sit funny with you that the biggest holiday of the entire year worldwide is actually his birthday? Do you think in a world that so hates Christ that they would allow biggest worldwide holiday to be his birthday or is it because it has deeper roots than that and it has more pagan roots and actually represents something that is not his birthday aka sun worship and the birth of the sun god just a thought for you to chew on alternatively in this world where even Christians don't even know about the God-ordained feast days, those feasts and holidays have been totally obliterated and wiped out and forgotten about. Um, Would that not ring a little bit more true being in a world that so hates God and Christ and truth? 
I don't know, just something to chew on. <laughs> uh, I, it, it is something that I've always found interesting. So, okay, from here, I know that was a lot of information, and if you're still with me, I thank you for being here. So we covered some of the feast days. I would love to unpack them more as we carry on um, because they are fascinating and they are so rich and they're so beautiful. And this is the wonderful thing is that God gave us these feast days and they're actually way better than the cultural days. Have you ever sat back at Christmas time? So I'm a mom of five and I, (laughs) Christmas is a lot of work. It's also really expensive. We love buying presents and I am the person that decorates every room in the house with Christmas stuff and start decorating like two months early. It's a big deal. And I can say for a fact that every single Christmas day at the end of the day, I'll sit back under heaps of food and wrapping paper we usually have endless supply of presents that the kids just end up getting overwhelmed with and in all our efforts to make Christmas magical um, we sit back and I feel totally unsatisfied we try to revolve it around Christ we go to church we read some Bible stories all of that but I sit back and it just feels hollow and empty and unsatisfied and I'm not sure if you can relate to that but I think that there is a reason because this isn't actually the holiday that we're supposed to be celebrating then we end up with usually several weeks of being behind and maxed credit cards because even though each year we promise ourselves that we're not going to overspend we always do and then we're left unsatisfied and I yeah I think it's because it's the world's holiday it is not God's holiday and I guess to conclude that point because yes God knows our hearts he knows that we want to just worship him and love him um and I dare say point out what Jesus said while he was on this earth he says if you love me keep my commands so we need to know his commands this is important and yeah so about reclaiming things about claiming pagan ways as our ways about rebranding them in Deuteronomy it talks about you know when you go into new lands, you have to destroy all the light idols. And, he, and God says, do not worship me in the way that the other nations do. He doesn't want to be worshipped in the way that other people do. He wants to be worshipped in the way that he told us. And so that includes his feast days. I want to touch on this, what was super eye-opening to me. Um... This talk about the the golden calf. So I don't know if like if you were like me and raised in the church in Sunday school, we learned about the golden calf. And I remember learning about it and it was right when so Moses goes up and he gets his Ten Commandments 
and while he's up there spending time with God, he takes a little too long for the Israelites, and so they get impatient, and they say, well, we want to worship somebody, and Moses is gone, who knows where he went, so make us a god, and they tell Aaron this, the, the priest, um, so he says, okay, I'll make you guys an idol, um, so we learned about this story, and I remember being a kid, and thinking, how on earth could they have forgotten God so quickly? Like, okay, he just did all of these amazing miracles, and now Moses is gone for two seconds, and they they go and worship other gods. Like, these people are stupid. <laughs> what are they doing? Um, but in all those Bible stories that I learned about these, you know, hard-hearted Israelites, I did not learn that they were actually trying to worship God by doing this calf. I did not know that. So if that's news to you, uh, you're not alone (laughs) because I did not know that. So we have to remember that they lived in Egypt for 400 years. They were in Egypt. They learned their ways. Um, They were so far, you know, set apart from being God's people. They didn't even know his ways or know him and so he pulls them out of Egypt he gives Moses the command so that they can follow his commands and obey him and while Moses is getting the commands they they want to worship they want to worship God so they do it the only way that they know how which they learned in Egypt Um, if you're not seeing some parallels here with our current culture and where we're at right now then (laughs) I encourage you to explore them. But I really want to read to you this section. So it's in Exodus 32. When when the people saw that Moses was taking a long time to come down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Get busy and make us gods to go ahead of us, because this Moses, the man that brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. Aaron said to them, Have your wives, sons, and daughters strip off their gold earrings and bring them to me. The people stripped off their gold earrings and brought them to Aaron. He received what they gave him, melted it down, and made it to the shape of a calf. So interestingly, the the calf actually is a term and a representation of God. Like there's some connections there. So when they're making this calf form, it's not because it's other gods per se, it it's because they're trying to make an image of God. So he does that. And he makes it in the shape of a calf. They say, Israel, here... Okay, sorry. They said, Israel, here is your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. On seeing this, Aaron built an altar in front of it and proclaimed tomorrow is to be a feast for Adonai. Early the next morning, they got up and offered burnt offerings and presented peace offerings Afterward, the people sat down to eat and drink. Then they got up to indulge in rivalry. And then then God sees this and gets quite upset. And he tells Moses to get down there. Um, he's quite upset with the people. And Moses pleads on their behalf so that he doesn't destroy them. And he actually, through the pleading, changes God's mind. So that's kind of awesome too. Um, so yeah, as you read that... Um, some of our 
more filtered versions of the Bible will say gods, but it's actually God. And so they, they genuinely, they built this calf and they made this feast day and they said, let's celebrate God. He brought us out of Egypt and we want to have a feast day for him. So they created this feast day to worship him and they created this calf so that they could bow down and worship God. But that is not how God wants to be worshipped. He told them how he wants to be worshipped, and it is not through idolatry. Um, so, anyways, that is a warning to me that God has told us specifically how he wants to be worshipped, and he does not want us to worship him in the way that the other nations do it. And with that in mind, perhaps we need to take a good hard look at some of our cultural holidays and how we celebrate them and take it to God and with humility and see what he wants for us. We have as a chosen, as a, sorry, as a family, um, it's been a little bit hard for the kids, I'll admit, but we've talked to them lots and we've prayed about it with them and we've watched some videos with them and we have chosen to not have any Christmas trees inside our house um, we have set up some wintry stuff and just been very careful about what we're bringing inside of our house and we will have food um, we will have some presents but we are not going to make this a consumer holiday and we are trying to focus on some of the other things so like Hanukkah was a big one that we got to celebrate and learning about some of these other feast days are that are actually the days that we're supposed to be celebrating and worshiping God um yeah interestingly enough Christmas Eve and Christmas land on Sabbath this year so we will be doing our Sabbath rest and we'll be doing our Sabbath worship and yeah and we're still continuing to pray about what else God would have us do with this holiday it's hard it's hard to be part of it it's hard to be um just have it all around so just avoiding it altogether is not possible but we want to do what is pleasing and honoring in the sight of Adonai our God and we want to worship him in the way that he wants to be worshipped. Um, yeah, so anyways, that's what's on my heart. I know that this was a little bit scatterbrained. My brain is not entirely here today. And if this was a little bit tricky and hard for you to take, I pray that you would just go to God with this. He is so good and just you know, come before him and say, God, please show me anything that is in my house, anything that's part of our traditions that is not honoring and pleasing to you. So be blessed, friends. Bye.